0: I am pleased to be able to introduce Dr. Uday Devgin as our next speaker. Dr. Devgin is a graduate of the University of California, Los Angeles and the USC School of Medicine, earning his medical degree with highest distinction. He is currently serving as Chief of Ophthalmology at Olive View UCLA Medical Center and is an award-winning faculty member at UCLA where he trains surgeons in techniques of ocular surgery. Dr. Devgen is an international expert in cataract and refractive surgery, having lectured in more than 25 countries, teaching thousands of surgeons his techniques. In addition to performing surgery exclusively at the Maloney Vision Institute, he writes technical columns in numerous eye surgery journals and creates award-winning surgical instructional videos that are distributed worldwide. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Devkin. Thank you for the warm welcome, and thank you to uh, the Braille Institute and, and Michael Berlin for the invitation here. I'm going to stand down here and give my talk so I can change my slides. It's relatively informal. If you do have questions, we'll certainly get to all those at the end. But cataracts are something that we're all going to face, everyone, everyone on the planet. So like I say, like gray hair, we'll all get cataracts. I do serve as the chief of ophthalmology at Olive UCLA, which is a very large county hospital in the valley. And then I really enjoy teaching at UCLA as well. I teach at the Jules Stein Institute, uh, where I mainly teach techniques of cataract surgery. But my true passion is actually the private practice in Westwood, um, where we perform most of our surgeries, and that's the Maloney Vision Institute. I do have patient information books, about 40 pages in large type all about cataracts and those books are uh, in the front and I've got some extras as well. So you're welcome to copy of that. You'll notice that eye care has been split up a lot. We used to just have the one eye doctor who did everything. But because of all these major advances in all these fields, we have doctors who end up specializing. We still have our primary care eye doctors, both optometrists and ophthalmologists, who do the routine checkups, glasses and contacts, allergies, infections. We also have all the subspecialists, like Dr. Berlin, who only does glaucoma. Or for me, I only do vision surgery, which is cataract and refractive surgery. I don't do any retina or any cross-eyed surgery or cornea surgery or any glaucoma surgery. So in our practice, we do address that full spectrum of vision surgery, the things you hear on the radio all the time, which is the, the LASIK laser eye surgery, but as well, other methods of correcting vision. More commonly, cataract surgery. I also do write really extensively. If you do have computer access, just putting my unusual name into Google will will yield literally a thousand articles. My family's from India, though I wasn't born there, and that's the origin of the name. I've also been really lucky that I've traveled to now 30 countries teaching various techniques of eye surgery. So every continent, except for Antarctica. So if you do know of a speaking engagement in Antarctica, I will happily go. So what's the number one cause of visual impairment worldwide? It's sad but true. It's actually cataracts. And in many other countries, particularly in Asia, it's the absolute leading cause of uh, vision loss, and it's totally preventable by just doing the surgery. You can prevent that vision loss. You can fix the cataract surgery in literally five minutes. And it's uh there's such an, a backlog of patients who need cataract surgery worldwide it's there's just no hope of ever really, uh, getting rid of that backlog. I even did my own types of cancer in India we will do literally one surgery. I can do a hundred cataract surgeries in one day. And so you go there and you'll, you'll knock out nearly a thousand for the week and you made a huge impact for a thousand people's lives, but yet there's still millions more waiting. Well, what is a cataract? What does it mean in regular English? You've heard so eloquently Dr. Berlin telling you that the eye is like a camera. Well, it's very true. The eye has a lens, and it focuses the light on the film of the eye, which is the retina. So all a cataract is, is just a cloudy lens. A clear lens of the eye is called a clear lens. A cloudy lens is called a cataract. So it's not a film or a growth or anything else. It's just when your normally clear lens, due to age or other factors, Has become cloudy? So again, a clear lens is a clear lens. A cloudy lens is a cataract. Well, who gets cataracts? Everyone gets cataracts. Absolutely everyone on the planet. I've done my own dad's cataract surgery, and I'm scheduled to do my own mom's next year. Cataracts are a normal part of aging. Don't worry, I gave them a good discount. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Cataracts. Cataracts are a normal part of aging. And as you get older, the same way you develop gray hair, you're going to get cataracts. It happens. That human lens in the eye changes. Remember back to being a little kid, my six-year-old son can hold a book until the book touches his nose and he can still read it. Because his human lenses are that flexible. Me now, close to 40, my focal point is reasonable. But I know by the time I'm 45 to 50, I won't see so well up close. And by the time I hit 60 to 70, I'll develop significant cataracts. The cataracts do develop very gradually. It's a really gradual thing. The same way you don't just wake up one day, look in the mirror and say, wow, I got all gray hair. It starts off slowly. And so sometimes the changes are so gradual that the patients don't realize it. What are the symptoms? The symptoms are are simple stuff. Blurring of the vision, glare or light sensitivity, yellowing of the vision, decreased colors, ghosting or double vision. But this can all be restored if the rest of the eye is normal, back to clear vision after the surgery. I'm going to go over some case scenarios later, some specific patient examples, which will explain a lot too. Well, there are different types of cataracts. If you can imagine a lens in a camera, what are the ways that lens could be defective? Well, if the whole lens starts to become cloudy, that's what we call a nuclear-type cataract, and that's the most common with age. We can also develop spoke-like opacities, kind of like the spokes of a bicycle wheel that block part of the lens, and that's what we call a cortical cataract. Or we can develop A posterior subcapsular cataract. This is the one that's often due to other problems like diabetes or use of steroids near the eye. These can cause these uh, types of cataracts. The causes are many. The most common one is aging. Patients got to be about 150 years old. Sun exposure and UV light. I'm lucky I don't have any visual impairment, but I wear my sunglasses almost religiously. Sun exposure and UV light certainly are major factors in development of cataract as well as other eye conditions. And it's important to remember that it's it's the sun exposure lifelong. While I won't get cataracts for another couple of decades, it's the sun exposure now that leads to that. Kind of like skin cancer. Patients who get skin cancer when they're 70, it's not because they were at the beach when they were 69. It's because when they were from from the age of 10, to 30, they were at the beach every single day without sunscreen. So it's a cumulative lifetime UV exposure and sunlight exposure. Genetics. If in your family, your father and your grandfather, mother and grandmother tended to get cataracts earlier, you can certainly get cataracts earlier than average. Smoking, environmental. Smoking is huge, actually. Believe it or not, you're thinking how does smoke get into the eye and cause a cataract? But it does. And believe it or not, when I'm doing someone's surgery, even if I even if I don't know whether or not you've used uh, you smoke before, when I do your surgery after, I'll, I'll tell the patient you used to smoke, huh? Like yeah, how'd you know? Because the density of the cataract is more. It's a little bit more difficult surgery. So smoking and environmental issues certainly play a role. Trauma, getting hit in the eye. The, the eyes are a very, very delicate thing. You can induce the glaucoma, like Dr. Blint taught us. We can also induce a traumatic cataract, like we see here. Steroid use, most commonly eye steroids, the Predforte, the Prednisolone acetate, the Dexamethasone drops, the Tobradex, the Maxitrol, all these with long-term use can influence the development of cataracts. And that's why when you take these medicines... In your eye, you have to follow up very closely with your eye doctor. Systemic diseases like diabetes. Diabetes certainly is a major influence in the development of cataracts. That's my dad had diabetic-related cataracts, which we did a surgery about three years ago. So what eye diseases cause cataracts? I gave you one, that's diabetes. The diabetic changes can certainly influence those lenses. Retinitis pigmentosa. Patients with RP develop a specific type of cataract earlier on. Macular degeneration, the treatments that you that are received, which are often injections in the eye, those treatments for macular degeneration can induce cataracts. Any previous glaucoma surgery, this patient is not one of Dr. Berlin's, this is a very uh, complicated, let's say, surgery that was done elsewhere and referred for cataract. Any types of retina surgery, when you go inside the eye, that can influence the development of a cataract. So at what point is cataract surgery needed? It's surprisingly a simple answer. Only when the cataract itself is causing a decrease in your vision that affects your daily life. I have an airplane pilot I did surgery on two weeks ago. He flies the big United 777, one of those huge jets, he flies these L.A. to Europe flights. And his vision with his cataracts was very mild. He had a very mild decrease in vision. His normal 20-20 vision was down to about 20-30. Not so bad. But for his job, it clearly wasn't enough. He had to achieve the sharper vision. So for him, it, it was reasonable to do his surgery. Whereas other patients who don't have such demanding needs for their vision may be okay to wait until later. This is befores and afters that, remember, the cataract surgery is removing the human cloudy lens completely. And in its place, we put a clear, crystal clear man-made lens. And that man-made lens is designed to last for the patient's lifetime. Cataract surgery is the number one surgery in all of the country. More than Botox, more than this, more than everything combined. It's 3 million done in the U.S. per year. And we've been putting lenses in eyes since about the mid-1950s. So there's a good 50-year track record of implanting these man-made lenses and eyes. But the surgery has changed dramatically, and I'll tell you that. Well, can cataract surgery fix other eye problems? Sometimes is the answer. Cataract surgery with glaucoma. I don't treat glaucoma. I refer those to Dr. Berlin. But this is a patient who was sent to me She's the mother of a local ophthalmologist, and she has a completely white cataract. Very minimal, if any, vision out of the eye. I, hadn't, I couldn't even see in the eye. And she had that angle closure glaucoma episode. So we needed to do her cataract surgery to A, examine the eye, and B, to help relieve that pressure. The human lens is thick, 4 millimeters thick. And so that can cause some crowding of that angle and that can cause that eye pressure to go up. The human, the human lens is removed, which is four millimeters thick and my replacement man-made lens is only one millimeter thin. So it makes, it it fits very easily and it allows for more room in the eye. So that drainage angle of the eye can open up. And there's been a long-term study now in glaucoma patients that just having a routine cataract surgery and nothing else can drop the eye pressure for the long term by at least a couple of points. What about cataract surgery and extreme glasses prescription? This is something I do a lot of. I've written a very recent article just a couple months ago in ophthalmology management about how to do cataract surgery in these very highly myopic patients. And I've done patients who are as much as minus 33 diopters of myopia. And there's certain techniques we can use to do this, but the magic of the cataract is, when that lens, the human lens is removed from your eye and the man-made lens is put in the eye, I can put any power man-made lens I want, even a custom-made one, custom-ordered. So the patient went from 33 diopters of myopia to zero myopia. Done. In addition, we can also fix any of the astigmatism at the time of the surgery. So very high levels of farsightedness, hyperopia, very high levels of nearsightedness, even significant astigmatism can all be addressed at the same time as you do the lung surgery. Well, what about cataracts and other eye conditions? Remember the example that the eye is like a camera. Cataracts can further degrade the vision in eyes with other impairments. If you simply have glaucoma, that will affect the visual field. But if you combine the cataract on top of that, it decreases the vision further. The precious central vision that you have can be decreased significantly from the cataract. And by just doing the cataract surgery, it can restore the vision uh, to a significant degree. I have a couple of interesting videos here which you'll have as mostly sound bites. They're patient testimonials from a couple of well-known patients that you'll recognize. The first one is, is Henry Winkler, the Fonz. And he's very eloquent in the way he speaks. And I like his clips because he really tells you about the patient experience.
1: When I first came to this office, I literally could not see out of my right eye. My cataract was so deep that the machine couldn't even see my retina. They they couldn't tell whether the retina was damaged or not. My left eye, um, I had okay vision, but I, I still needed to wear... Uh, glasses, but for two years I could not see Z- I s- zero out of my right eye.
0: So it's amazing to think that this is a very well-known actor. Obviously, access to the very best in healthcare, and for two years he didn't realize until he wanted to take his DMV test that he literally could see just about nothing out of one eye. His cataract was so dense, and it was the cataract was so dense. I was unable to even see his retina when I looked in the eye. He couldn't see out of the eye, I couldn't see into it. So we did a surgery, I'll show you a few more uh, audio clips from him later. Our traditional surgery is actually pretty quick. The entire surgery is done in just a few minutes. Three to four minutes, maybe five minutes is pretty traditional. It's done while the eye is asleep, the body is awake. During the surgery, the incisions that are made in the eye are super tiny and they're made with gem quality diamonds. That, that little instrument is a gem quality blade. It's only two millimeters wide, which is less than an eighth of an inch. And you'll notice here, there's no bleeding either. So the surgery can be so non-traumatic that there's no bleeding at all. We're opening up the lens capsule of the eye so we can get access to the lens itself. These are uh, instruments that that I actually specifically designed myself for this technique of surgery. The human lens in the patient is cloudy and they really don't see well out of it. You'll also notice the entire surgery is done with zero needles. There are no needles, there are no stitches, there's no bleeding and there's no pain. So it's really become a miraculous type procedure. The cataract is gently broken up into pieces and suctioned out of the eye. I use both hands during surgery and I actually use both feet. It sounds strange, but they're actually foot pedals that I control. I don't actually put my foot on the patient's head. But there, there, I use two, there's two, there's two sets of foot pedals and I use obviously both hands. It sounds complex initially, but it's like driving a car with stick shift. You use both hands, both feet, and you kind of learn how to do it. But the cataract can be removed very, very quickly and very efficiently in a very gentle manner. Remind you, the patient is totally awake. They're they're given as much sedation as they would like to relax. But because I promise the patient you'll see nothing, you'll feel nothing during the procedure, they're usually fairly relaxed. Good question. The human, the question is, do, is the lens intact or do I break it up? My incision sizes are tiny, two millimeters. The human cataract is much larger. So I break it up into a thousand little pieces and suck it out like a, suck it out like a milkshake. The new lens that I'll put in the eye is rolled up like a carpet, then put in the eye and then opened. So you've done the entire surgery through a very tiny, tiny incision. It's like building a ship in a bottle. The older methods, here comes our new lens, the lens is folded up and put in this injector, and then the lens can then be injected completely within the eye. So you get a very large, full-size lens through a very tiny incision in the eye. The older techniques of surgery had a very large incision and stitches in the eye. Long recovery. The newer procedures are very brief. The new lens is now in the patient's eye and the patient has immediately restored vision. And because I don't put an eye patch on the eye after surgery, as soon as they take come out of the operating room, within 10 minutes the eye wakes up from the anesthesia, they start to see. So it's really a neat procedure. And that surgery was just completed. That was real-time, three and a half minutes for the whole case. I've done it a few thousand times, though. The very first time I did a cataract surgery, or I teach the UCLA residents every week, the ones who are just learning how to do eye surgery. I think UCLA is a fantastic place for teaching residents. It's a good teaching hospital. May not be the may not be the best for these complicated cases, but to teach basic stuff to our doctors, it's great. The a, a normal doctor first learning spends about two hours on their first cataract surgery, and then, uh, and me included, my first one took me about an hour and a half. But now after doing about 6,000 cataract surgeries, we're down to about three and a half minutes. Here's another video, an audio clip from Henry Winkler about his experience.
1: I will tell you the one thing that you're struck by is a sense of confidence of the people who work here. There is just a sense of I actually know what I'm doing. There is a sense of professionalism, but there is a sense of warmth there's a sense of calm and this is every human being that works here in this office. Um, I just said this to uh, to Dr. Defkin um, uh, a little while ago. There is a gentleness from the the staff where you just are put so at ease. Now remember. Dr. Defkin is going to break up my old lens in my eye, remove the pieces of the old lens and put a new lens in. The incisions are made with diamonds so that there's no bleeding. The entire procedure took six minutes. When you're thinking about this lying in bed just before you go to bed, before you go to sleep, you're thinking, they're going to break up my lens and take it out piece by piece. Oh, can I rethink this? But first of all, you're put so at ease. And I want to tell you something. Every single thing that the doctor told me beforehand was true. I felt nothing. I felt nothing afterwards. You feel no pain. There is no bleeding. Uh and the the uh, and I will repeat again the duration of time is so short that you, 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 you can't wrap your brain around that you now have got a new lens and, and uh, I came back here and I now, I think I have 2020 vision again in my right eye and I, I could not see with, uh, when I walked in here.
0: The testimonials are very, very heartwarming and they really connect with patients. We don't pay any of the celebrities. It was his choice to do this for free, and they really have just such an amazing experience that they're happy to do it. There's some new advances, incredible new advances in the way we do surgery now. Technology changes over time. If you have any doubts, think about the computer industry. One gigabyte of data in 1991 was huge. In 1980, a gigabyte would take up the size of a building. Now, this little thing on my keychain has two gigabytes. It's unbelievable the amount of change here. Old technology new technology is a big difference even within the eye surgery. Part of the reason why we specialize so much and you have these ophthalmologists doing such a narrow spectrum of vision care is because it's very cost prohibitive to do everything. Your general ophthalmologist is probably not going to buy all the 17 different specialized glaucoma machines that Dr. Berlin has. And clearly in our own office alone, there's like, Three million dollars of equipment. It's a little bit crazy when you think about it like that, but it makes a huge world of difference. The same way you wouldn't want to use a computer that was 10 years old, it's kind of outdated. It doesn't really, while it does technically do the same functions, the results aren't the same. Similar with the new machines that are used during surgery, technology gets better and better. And so it really behooves the surgeon and the patient, of course, to keep up with the new technology. New technology lenses that we put in eyes are even amazing. For patients without any other uh, eye impairments, just cataracts, you know, we can restore sharp distance vision and computer vision and reading vision without glasses. You can basically take off decades from the patient's vision. It's really quite remarkable. The newer techniques that we do we end up using less of that ultrasound energy to break up the eye. And the result is that the patients see see quickly that at the end of surgery we can remove the the human lens with very little energy and that when we see the patient afterwards, right after surgery, the eye looks quiet. It's not red. It's not swollen. There's no bleeding. They start to see immediately. We can also get rid of the things we talked about before, astigmatism, nearsightedness, farsightedness. If you are computer savvy, uh, I have a lot of audios and videos on these uh, uh, videos on the Baoshanlong website. That's a company that makes a lot of the major eye equipment, and I do a lot of work for them. The new diamond instruments that I was telling you about earlier are really impressive. A diamond instrument is about ten times sharper or better than the best steel ones. The catch is, it's a thousand times more expensive—six thousand versus six dollars. But the results, especially if you do a significant volume of surgery, are certainly worth it. This was a very interesting uh slide here in that we made an incision in the eye and yet there was no bleeding. I'll show you very briefly again. It, the blade is so sharp that literally after making a completely penetrating incision in the eye, there's zero drops of blood. It's really quite amazing. And because of this quicker uh, recovery, there's no need for an eye patch or a pirate patch or an eye shield. We don't do any of that stuff anymore. Patients start to see immediately. These new lenses are rolled up into very tiny, tiny injectors. And so we can put the lens in the eye, rolled up like a carpet, and then once in the eye, automatically unrolls and we put it into position. So it's really quite amazing. And that's how we get rid of uh, the need for sutures. The lens, great question. The question is, what's the lens material? The lenses are made of various uh, types of materials. The most commonly used ones are silicone, acrylic, or there's a collagen polymer. All of those above are foldable or injectable. The older style lenses are made of a rigid plastic that's not foldable. And those aren't used very commonly now, less than 1% of the time because I don't want to have to make a huge incision in the eye just to put the lens in and then suture up the eye. The incisions are much tinier than before. I even do surgery in some situations through incisions that are less than one millimeter. Really tiny incisions. And this is right after the procedure. The eye is totally quiet. The eye wakes up quickly from the anesthesia. The patient can move the eye around. They can start to see immediately and the eye looks as if nothing happened the anesthesia is very minimal there's we don't do the injection behind the eyeball the normal technique is to use an injection with a long needle which is injected behind through the eyelid behind the eyeball and that injection numbs the eye completely and freezes it and still when we're first teaching surgeons to operate we like to do that because in the eyes totally still and the the new surgeon who's learning can operate on a very still target. But for all my last, let's say, five or 6,000 cases, we do it just with eye drops to numb the eye. So the eye can be numb with strong eye drops. The eye may move a little bit, so the surgeon has to be adept at operating on a moving target. It sounds crazy, but it's really not that hard after a while. The amount of sedation we give for the whole body is very minimal. Some patients who, I have a patient last week who does a lot of yoga. and She says, doctor, don't worry, I can relax myself. And so we gave her no medicine in her IV. I just numbed the eye. I said, if you're, I can promise you there'll be zero pain and you won't see the surgery happening. And she said, then don't worry, doctor, I'll relax myself. And she laid there, totally relaxed. We're monitoring her heart. She's not nervous at all. We did the case. But for your average patient... From my dad, now we give a little bit of IV sedation to help him relax. Again, the patient experience here from from Mr. Winkler.
1: The choice of lens that went into my eye, uh, I completely uh, trusted the doctor. And he said, here are your options. This is one that I would not go with. Here's the reason why. This is not for you. I believe this is exactly right for you there was not even a moment of doubt. There was not even a moment of discussion. If you're here, if you come to this place and Dr. Defkin has a suggestion, allow me to say your answer should be, okay, because this is, i mean, this guy is like one of my heroes now, you know? Steve McQueen for uh, uh, in the action movie, uh, and Dr. Defkin in the, um, in surgery for your eye. Uh, I'm not kidding. This guy is, he's so on top of the material. It is, it is like to him, it's like making a delicious sandwich. Do you know a great chef making a delicious meal? He enjoys it. He takes pride in it. He um, he gets excited about um, each step of your recovery. He is um, he's a phenomenal
0: man, actually. He's he's well, he's a very sweet guy. But the the take-home message from that is that you know things advance so quickly in our field that there are a lot of choices. So there are various choices of lenses to put in someone's eye. I went recently to get the brakes changed on my car. And the guy says, so, Doc, you want cross uh, crossroad rotors, slotted rotors, drilled and slotted rotors? What kind of pads do you want? Organic, metallic, semi-metallic? You go into the track, you race track. I said, look, I don't know. I said, I just want some good brakes for my car. What? Do you- Here's what I like to do. I like to drive in traffic and sit on the 405 and occasionally a nice drive up the, a PCH. Can you just give me something? What, what fits that? He says, Doc, I know what you need. And it hit home the point. Well, patients come in to see me and I, I can't give them a laundry list of, well, here are the various lenses. We've got this acrylic lens. that's made of this polymer material. We've got the silicon lens. that's accommodating. There's a multifocal lens. And the patient's like, oh, what do I need? And so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's easy to look at a patient's situation and then I know my material so well. The same way that the guy said for my brakes doc, you need the cross drilled rotors with the semi-metallic pads. You'll be fine. Deal. He's right. I'm happy. So same way for the patient that comes in and say, you know what, given your situation, of all the lenses available to us, this is going to be the best one for you. Good question. What prevents the man-made lens from getting cloudy? The lens itself will never get cloudy. It's made of a totally inert material. But on rare occasions, 5% of patients may develop a scar over the lens. Why? If I put a piece of plastic under the skin in your arm, you may develop a scar over that plastic. If I put a same pla- the same plastic lens or acrylic lens or silicon lens in your eye, your body may form a slight scar over it. That haze is usually easily cleared in about 30 seconds in the office without surgery, just with a little laser treatment. It happened to one of my dad's eyes. It's relatively common, easy to take care of. So the lens itself will always stay clear, and that's a huge track record. of millions upon millions of lenses being put in eyes. But on the rare circumstance, 5% or less, that you do, you develop a little scar over the lens, that's easily zapped away in the office in about 30 seconds without even touching the eye. Good question. What happens if the lens shifts? Well, we, we try to anchor the lens in place. So 99.9% of the time, the lens is very well anchored in place by the arms of the lens, by the way we insert it in the eye. In rare situations, we may have to actually suture the lens in place. And that's a really, that's a very tough challenge using a suture material that's thinner than hair and you have to work inside the eye without cutting the eye open and suture the, uh, the part of the lens to the eye so it stays fixated but that's luckily only an issue for about 1 a 1000 people yes sir the question is there's so many different lenses different styles different uh, prices how do you know which one i need to to see well it's basically it's what i do so we measure every eye specifically. I don't believe in the one size fits all. So we try to t- custom tailor the lens to the patient. The eye is measured. And then more important, we ask the patient, what are your needs for your vision? If the vision says, I really want to be able to do X and Y and Z. And if I think I can deliver that to them with a certain lens, that's the one I'll choose. The power of the lens is also customized to that specific eye. So it's not a one size fits all. And even people with left eye and right eye may get slightly different powered lenses to optimize both eyes to bring them more into uh, harmony. The new lenses for surgery we talked about, there's single focus lenses, are these new ones we call aspheric, and that just means in simple English, it's a higher quality lens. All Nikon or Canon cameras, any camera that costs a $1,000 or more, I guarantee has an aspheric lens. And that's the same problem that the Hubble telescope had. We fixed the, they applied a new aspheric lens for that and it got much better, uh, uh, results. And the aspheric lens actually provides a significantly better, what we call contrast sensitivity. So colors are a little richer, be, uh, vision and dim lighting is better. In patients with other types of eye conditions or impairments, it's, I think it's very important to put in an aspheric lens because it does everything to maximize the vision there. If the patient has a problem in the retina, putting in an aspheric lens will maximize the amount of light that you get that's focused to that retina. I need examples to put that uh, lenses in the cameras. If I get a traditional type lens that we used to use and I get an aspheric lens and I take a picture through both of them, the picture through the aspheric lens is significantly better than the identical lens with the old tile optics. So you can understand why I've not implanted a traditional-type lens in three years. There are also lenses that correct near vision and intermediate vision, and those can sometimes work by being multifocal, which basically focuses the light at multiple points, or by the new lenses that I'm a huge fan of called accommodating lenses. These lenses are emulated after the young human eye, where the, the normal eye-focusing muscle will cause the, this new accommodating lens implant to shift and focus in the eye. It's really a tremendous technology. So that lens can shift within the eye in response to your normal focusing eye muscles. And so for most patients with no other eye conditions, you can restore an 80-year-old to the visual function of a 40-year-old. So let's go very briefly. We're going to sum it up here. Some actual patient scenarios. Let's look at a patient with macular degeneration. Remember the eyes like a camera? Well, the macular degeneration affects the retina, but not the entire retina. It only affects the central part of the retina that's called the macula. If you look at an 80-year-old patient, prior macular degeneration, she had many retinal treatments, many surgeries. Her right eye is 20 out of 800. Her left eye is 20 out of 800. Her central vision is very limited because she has the macular degeneration. But her peripheral vision is also very limited. Why? Because when I look at her at the microscope, her cataracts are so dense, I can barely see into her eye. And she can barely see out of it. Well, keep in mind, how big is the macula? Of the entire retina, the macula is less than 10% of it. So, By fixing the cataract, I can certainly make the vision to the 90% of the retina that's responsible for peripheral vision, will make the 90% of the retina better. The 10% of the retina in the center of the vision will be about the same. So she benefited tremendously. And then afterwards, with eccentric viewing, she actually achieved 20 out of 200 vision in both eyes. And her peripheral vision was totally normal. So whereas before surgery, she was literally bumping into walls and tripping over her furniture. Afterwards, she still didn't have the central vision, but her peripheral vision was essentially normal, and that made a huge difference in her life. So she was a very good, a very appropriate candidate. What about diabetic retinopathy? Well, the diabetic retinopathy affects the entire retina, not just the center part. But the diabetic disease can actually cause the patients to get cataracts earlier in life. So an example of a 60-year-old man with diabetes for 25 years. He's had lots of prior retinal laser, lots of prior injections in the eye to treat the diabetic eye disease. And his vision is about 20 out of 200. But his retina doctor referred him over because the retina doctor could no longer see the retina because the catech was so bad it was blocking the patient's view out of the eye and blocking the retina doctor's view into the eye. And the patient needed more diabetic laser. But if the if the retina doctor can't see into your eye, how can he put the laser in the eye? And so we did the cataract surgery to provide a better view of the retina for the retina doctor to do more laser. The view that's blocked by cataract prevents the laser treatment. Diabetic retinopathy always gets worse with time, no matter how excellent the sugar control is. If the sugar control is very poor, you may progress from a normal retina to a very damaged retina in less than 10 years. But if the, the diabetic sugar control is excellent, it may take 40 or 50 or 60 or even 80 years to progress from a good retina to a poor retina. And hopefully that the patient will, will uh, preserve their vision. Because the cataract density affects the healing, a very soft or mild cataract is very easy to remove, very minimal amount of inflammation whereas a very dense cataract is more difficult to remove, a lot more inflammation. We tend to want to do cataract surgery in diabetics at an earlier stage. We don't want to wait till the diabetic retinopathy is very severe. Well, why? The eye, the body itself, has an amazing ability to heal itself. The eye has natural resources that are used to heal itself. If you have diabetic retinopathy and you bleed in the eye every day a slight amount, your body and your eye uses some of those resources to heal that bleeding. But if I do your cataract surgery and the cataracts are very dense, I'll need some of your eye resources to help heal up the cataract surgery. And that may take away your eye resources that are healing up your diabetic changes that happen every day. So usually for diabetics, we prefer doing their cataract surgery earlier rather than later. So if the retinas look pretty normal, Reasonably, reasonably good. I prefer to do cataract surgery. If the retinas look very poor, laser the retina first. And so this patient did very well after surgery. Vision was mildly improved, but now the retina doctor could look inside his eye and administer more vision uh, laser. Glaucoma. We talked about. Remember, we said earlier that the glaucoma helps to uh, the glaucoma. The drainage of the fluid of the eye may be impaired. So in this example of a 53-year-old, she's had glaucoma for 10 years, highly myopic, reasonable pressures, but she certainly has some glaucoma changes. Well, I prefer to do the cataract surgery in glaucoma patients before the glaucoma is super severe because the patient's severe glaucoma are much more sensitive to the surgery. After surgery, we achieved for her normal central vision. We obviously couldn't restore the glaucoma damage but we got rid of all the nearsightedness, and we even dropped her eye pressure a significant amount. Last couple examples are a weak or scarred cornea. The cornea is the very front part of the eye. This is a patient who's 68 years old. The challenging part of her surgery is not only her eye condition; she has a corneal dystrophy, which causes her cornea to be swollen and edematous. But her son's also vice president for Bausch & and he wanted to watch the surgery, and that's probably the bigger stressor. But we were able to remove her surgery and clear up her vision to a significant degree. She went from 2080 before surgery to about 2040 after. And the good news is the surgery was five minutes. She now actually passed her DMV vision test because her vision is 2040. And she avoided having to get the corneal transplant at this time. A corneal transplant is a much bigger surgery because you're using the cornea from a, a, a donor, a cadaver. And finally, trauma. Trauma is very challenging. A patient who's 36 years old, he drives an 18-wheeler big rig truck for a living. Well, somehow he cheated on his driving test because he sees zero. He only has bare light perception out of his one eye for the last 30 years because when he was a kid, he fell down on a cactus in Mexico, poked through the cornea, into his lens, And he actually has zero pupil. He has only the brown iris. There's zero pupil, completely. Well, we did a surgery because mostly I was afraid he was going to drive next to me one day and run me over. (laughs) But we did a full reconstruction of the eye. Here we can open up the eye. We put that new man-made lens in his eye, took out his cataract, and made him a new pupil. And as a result, before surgery, just bare light perception. After he got twenty out of two hundred vision with essentially normal peripheral vision. So now I'm not nearly as afraid that he's gonna run over my little car. And finally some really interesting, beautiful patients. I really enjoy working uh as chief at the at the big county hospital because we get a huge spectrum of patients. We recently did surgery on among the littlest patients. 18 year old mom brings in her two-week old baby to you. Seven pound little baby. And she says, doctor, the baby's eye looks kind of strange. There's this white spot in the eye. So we take the cute, beautiful little girl. We take her to the operating room. There she's a little bit tired. She's yawning. We totally knock her out. Babies can't hold still, obviously. Totally knocked out. And you'll, in her, in her right eye, a complete white cataract. So the baby has no vision out of the right eye. So we certainly are certainly going to fix this for her. There are lots of causes here. The important thing in a baby, though, is to do the surgery quickly. The baby brain develops immediately, very rapidly. If you think about a, a newborn versus a two-year-old, look what they learn in just two years. How to walk, how to talk, how to... It's amazing. Well, the vi- the visual pathways of the brain develop as well. So we use these specially designed instruments. These instruments are super tiny. They're thinner than a, like a sewing needle, and yet they have forceps on the end of them. The old style of surgery is to use a big steel blade on this little baby's eye, and that made me cry. I couldn't think of that. So we use these beautiful little diamonds, and in the baby's eye, this diamond is a half of a millimeter. That's almost nothing. That's like as thick as, uh, five sheets or ten sheets of paper. Very thin. We'll, we'll do the entire surgery for the baby. You'll n- notice, for the family members in the audience, the baby's eye is tiny. I have normal size hands. I'm only about five eleven. I mean I always wanted to be six three, but I'm only five eleven. <laughs> and this baby's eye, the front part of the eye, is one quarter the size of my thumbnail. That's a super tiny eye. And that's why we have to use such incredibly tiny instruments. At the end of the case, a beautiful result. There's the before and after. And so we obviously restored really neat vision to this baby. The baby's just starting off on the long road to recovering her vision, but she gets the idea. I do have a soft spot in my heart. I think our last case here is a nine-year-old boy. hes He was monocular. He lost the one eye from bad trauma. He had dense amblyopia. So he essentially only functioned with one eye. And that eye had a an early cataract when he was born. It developed into a worse cataract. And so he's in... 3rd or 4th grade, he's not doing well in school. His vision's only about 20-70 in that eye. And he's a one-eyed kid. So we did the same type of surgery with those same beautiful little tiny baby instruments. I treated him like a baby too. And at the end of the case, we put the new lenses in his eye. He saw really well. He shocked me. The day after surgery, he's reading the 20-20 letters. So it's quite amazing, really a neat recovery. And the lenses that do provide that widest range of vision those accommodating lenses that provide normal-type distance, intermediate, and near vision, are really expensive, often $3,000 per lens. So I actually, I actually do work with these companies, and I had them donate the lens for free. So this kid actually got the prime lens that he would have never been able to get. It's a really neat result. And my last quick slide here of the patients is quadriplegic patients. We have a neat program. Any patient who has the difficulty of life of being quadriplegic we do their free surgery in both eyes, and we put in these multifocal lenses so they don't need to worry about reading glasses. Because if I just corrected them for distance, it, they, they are unable to put glass on their face by themselves. So we do this neat type of surgery with a multifocal lens for free for all these patients. And this is Marsha Mitchell, one of our very sweet recent patients in our, uh, in our office there. So in summary, the state-of-the-art surgery has changed a lot. It's quick, easy, painless and really has the ability to improve vision for many. Always keep in mind the analogy of a camera. Even if you do have certain types of other visual impairments, damage to the film of the camera, let's say, oftentimes fixing the lens of the eye can make a huge difference. And the last patient experience thing is here.
1: I was struck um, the first few days that I was able to actually see out of my right eye after the surgery color is now so vivid. I thought I saw blue. I didn't see blue. I must've seen blue. You know, I never, I, I didn't see green. I saw gr. I I, I'm telling you it, it is like, it's a whole new world. It is just, um, it's just intense, you know? Um, and it's so exciting. I'll tell you the, uh, if I were going to go with, uh, with one word after the surgery, it is gratitude. I am so grateful that this whole thing exists, that you can do it. The miracle of then having your eye back, having your eye back better than it was when you could see really well. The enjoyment of um, reading and seeing and the enjoyment of color. Again, grateful. I, I would have to say gratitude would be the word if I had to pick one word.
0: So finally, for more information, I really am a fan of educating people, whether I teach at UCLA, whether it's giving talks like this or traveling the world. We have a very educational website, which is maloneyvision.com. dot com. That's M A L O N E Y Vision dot com. And I've got these patient information booklets. The, the booklets are also available on the website, but I brought more than a hundred of them today, so they are up front. You're all welcome to have a copy of that. Any questions? At the very end here. Yes. Is it ever
1: possible to have an effect from cataract surgery on what was called a lazy eye? A hundred years ago?
0: Good question. So for patients with a lazy eye, the cataract surgery can maximize the vision, but the inherent laziness stems from the brain preferring one eye over the other. So I tell patients you can restore your vision to what it was like decades ago, but it may not be able to become ever 100% normal.
1: For your youngest patients, um, do you have an idea uh, as to how long that interocular lens implant will last? Is it expected to last their entire lifespan?
0: Good question. We expect the lenses to last the patient's lifespan. In the very tiny babies, age 2 or under, we don't put a lens in immediately. They wear a contact lens because we can easily change the contact as the eye grows. At about the age of 2 or 3, when the baby's eyes... A toddler's eye is almost full size. We'll go ahead and implant a lens. And so we do implant lenses in, in young children, three, four, five years old, that are good for the rest of their life. Okay,
1: over here. I had a cataract surgery done to me um, many years ago when I was real young, and some of the doctors had told me that uh, it could also return. Is that true?
0: Once the cataract is removed, the cataract has gone for life. I mean, we remove that human lens in about a million little pieces. The man-made lens that's put in the eye, if that's the case, sometimes you can develop a scar tissue over that. And that sometimes, some people used to call that a secondary cataract. But that's easily zapped in about 30 seconds without touching the eye.
1: Are there any contraindications for it? Let me tell you, I have cataracts in both eyes. However... I have macular degeneration, both eyes. The left eye became wet, and I've had uh, um, treatments and some vision loss. The right eye, I have glaucoma, uh, no, normal pressure, but cupping. Now, I have heard something about, would it exacerbate the dry macular degeneration? If I have cataract surgery, I've heard something like, some people say yes, some no. I don't know what...
0: The question, so will the cataract surgery exacerbate the macular degeneration? In the eye that has the scarring or the wet macular degeneration, it's unlikely to. In the studies that have been shown for patients with the dry macular degeneration, the rate of development of further macular problems is very similar whether or not you've had cataract surgery. In other words... It's not clear. Both groups of patients do progress. Whether or not you do the cataract surgery, you have a high likelihood of that dry macular degeneration progressing. So what you should, probably the best person to ask is that your normal doctor treats your macular degeneration. Ask him, say, say, would it, would I be, would I benefit from having a a cataract or lens surgery? And he could tell you. There's no rush to do cataract. There's no really emergency cataract surgery. Educate yourself. Think about it more. Yes,
1: I had drabolectomy surgery uh, two weeks ago. I have macular degeneration, and I have glaucoma. How do I know which is causing the biggest
0: eye loss? That's a great question. It really is specific to the patient, so the best answer is to ask your eye doctor that you see now. The eyes, like a camera. If you have a problem with the lens and a problem with the film, you have to determine, well, is my problem 99% because of the film of the camera? If so, then changing the lens doesn't make sense. But if the problem in my eye is 50% from the lens, 50% from the film, then maybe changing the, the lens will make the vision a bit better.